Hi, welcome to Rails Pod. Pod stands for Process of Deliverance. My name is Sherelle Lee, and I am an ordained pastor, and I have also been commissioned as a prophetess. And I want to share with you today a message that I ministered on this past Sunday. And the title was Trust the Process. I took my text from Matthew 26, 39. And it reads, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Let us pray. Father, I pray for everyone that is listening to this podcast. I pray that all is well with them. I pray, God, that every need that they have shall be met. I pray for salvation, deliverance, and healing for each and every one. And I pray that this word penetrates their soul. And God, it will bless them on today. And I ask you, Father, to forgive us for all of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. It was suggested to me by my overseer to minister this word again. And so I will be obedient to that suggestion. For my intro, I talked about processed foods and a food processor. A processor to me is God. And we're like the processed foods. The definition of processed foods is the transformation of agricultural products into food or of one form of food into other forms. Food processing includes many forms of processing foods, from grinding grain to make raw flour to home cooking to complex industrial methods used to make convenience foods. It's just like any farmer that plants seeds and they grow. And we have these foods that need to be processed in order for them to go into the stores to be sold as merchandise. We are that seed. And I thank God for sowing his son as a seed. That he can take away the sins of the world. A food processor is a kitchen appliance used to facilitate repetitive tasks in the preparation of food. Used to blend, chop, dice, slice, allowing for quicker meal preparation. And I'm sure a lot of women's households have food processors. Mixers, dicers, slicers, all of those things in the kitchen. That makes for an easier preparation of food. My overseer used the example of her husband being a chef and how he'd rather just, you know, cook the food because the food preparation is much more tedious. It's much more time consuming 
See, that's the preparation. That is the process. Therefore, on the spiritual side of things, many people did not want to go through the process. Instead, they want their orders quick, the results quick. They want to rise in positions quick and God to answer quick. Mainly because we are living in a microwavable era and many people's mindsets are microwavable to the point that patience has become unvirtuous. This lets me know that it's not how we start, but how we finish. Consider our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible states in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's why we are going to use him as our main example. Because Jesus went through a lot of things, a lot of events. And yes, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He endured that cross with joy. I don't know if I could have gone through all that. But I thank God that he went through it just for me. And that gives me hope. And it should give you hope as well. He's our main example. In trusting God. Because he had to trust God too. Let's take a look at his process. And I'm not going to plagiarize. I'm going to use an author, Don Stewart. And I'm just going to use his introduction as we get ready to go through these chronological events that took place in Jesus's life. And it gives us hope to know that, you know, in our process, now that he went through it, we can go through it and know that he's by our side. He's with us every step of the way because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He will help us get through any trial, any test, Anything that we are enduring, he will be there to guide us, to help us along the way. And you just got to believe that and you just got to trust God. So Don Sturis says it is important to have an idea of the basic chronology of the events surrounding the death of Christ. The truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is rooted in historical events. Just as the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden was an historical event. So were the events surrounding Jesus' betrayal, death, resurrection, and ascension. We will briefly summarize the main points of his betrayal, death, and burial. Now, I'm going to start off with the Last Supper. This is what Jesus went through in order to get through his process. The Last Supper, and I'm going to be reading from... St. John chapter 13, 1 through 20. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. See, before, you know, they, he always would say, my time is not yet come. 
See, it had to be in the process of time because all of this was prophesied. That he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus. How many know that, you know, it's, it's hard when you get betrayed, get used, get lied on, talked about, mistreated. But Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured. He took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? See, you know that's humility, and that's also love. How many people would go around washing somebody else's feet if you wasn't going to get a pedicure at a nail salon? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now. But thou shalt know hereafter. See, you don't know it now, but you will know it. That's the process. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So if you for me, then we'll just go ahead and get this over with. Because if you're not for me, that means you're against me. But we already know who really betrayed him. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Then he got with the program. Now he wants everything washed. Jesus said to him, he that is washed, need of not saved to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master and Lord. And ye say, well, for so I am. He's saying to them, yes, I, I'm your master and I'm your Lord. If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. How many people will follow that example? I don't really know many. <laughs> For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. I know a lot of times supervisors, they're so lifted up in pride. Sometimes they don't even want to help you. You know, they don't want to stoop to your level because you're, you have a, you know, a menial job, you know, and they feel like they're higher up than you. So, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to stoop down low on a totem pole but you know it says right here the servant is not greater than his lord neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him see jesus you know from the beginning said that he was a servant and he came to serve if ye know these things happy are ye if ye do them i speak not of you all i know whom i have chosen but that the scripture may be fulfilled. See, this is the whole purpose. This is the whole purpose of this process. So that the scripture may be filled. 
He that eat of bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it come, this is the prophecy, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whosoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. And that is God. Then a new ordinance was given. And we find that ordinance in Luke 22, chapter 22, verses 17 through 20. And it reads, and he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So every time you do it, it'll be in my remembrance. This is what he was saying. Last verse 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So we know this to be communion. Then after that, Jesus gave them the upper room discourse. This contained teaching on a number of important subjects. He was continuing to teach these disciples up until the very end. That's what it's all about, discipleship. Once we come to Jesus, once we come to, when we repent and come to Jesus and are saved, then we become disciples. We become followers of Jesus, followers of the word. Then they went toward Gethsemane, the garden. So walking toward Gethsemane with his disciples, Jesus and his 11 disciples left the upper room where they were being taught and headed toward the Mount of Olives. Judas had left earlier, the one that betrayed him, in the evening to arrange the betrayal of Jesus. While he was walking along the way, Jesus prayed for a number of things. And that's where we saw him in, this, in that scene where he was praying in the garden to his to Father God. Because this is when, you know, they were getting ready to plot against him, you know, and everything was getting ready to come to what they thought was an end. So we're going to read in Matthew now, chapter 26, verses 39 through 44. And he went a little farther and fell on his face. This was my beginning verse, and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, let this task that you have before me pass from me. I don't really want to do it. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. See, there's a lot of things that we don't want to conform to. But we got to be ye transformed by the renewal of our mind. That We can't be conformed to this world. But we got to be transformed. So he said, no, uh-uh. Not that I'm going to, you know, do my will and say no. But I'm going to do whatever your will is. And that's what we got to do when we come to Jesus. And when, and when we are already in Christ. So some of us have been walking with Christ for years and still don't want to do his will. Verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples... And findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? 
You couldn't watch with me one hour, just one hour. He said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. See, he'll give you a way of escape. The spirit indeed is willing. That's what he was letting them know. But the flesh is weak. Sometimes our flesh is weak. You know, your pastor tells you to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and have 6, 6 a.m. prayer. You, Your spirit probably is willing. You'll agree to it. But when 6 o'clock comes, you're so sleeping, your eyelids are so heavy, you be like, uh-uh, I don't think I can do this. And you'll just sleep right on through the prayer. <laughs> but you got to put your flesh under subjection. That's what you got to do, under subjection. Tell that flesh, uh-uh, I'm getting up because I'm not going to miss my blessing. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father. If this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. <laughs> and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So when Jesus had finished praying, he awoke his disciples and his arrest was about to occur. So that was the next process. The arrest of Jesus. The traitor, Judas, arrived with religious leaders now. You know, we knew those religious leaders in the Bible days, they were called Pharisees and Sadducees. <laughs> and so we got some of them today, religious leaders and religious folk that don't know you know, they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And soldiers. And although a large crowd came to arrest Jesus, he offered no resistance. Isn't that something? He didn't resist. He knew that his time had come. But so we resist. We resist because a lot of times we resist Doing what God has called us to do. And in the natural, we'll try to resist getting locked up if the police come to handcuff us. We'll try to fight our way through it. But he didn't resist. Instead, he asked them why they came after him like some kind of criminal. Jesus was not a criminal. Pilate said, I find no fault in the man. But you know... They hated him without a cause. Just like people hate you without a cause. People hate me without a cause. You're not going to be liked by everyone. Get over yourself. You know, we're in the real world, but we're not of it. And those of you who are worldly still, you'll, you'll find out one way or the other, once you keep hitting your head on them bricks, that everybody is not going to like you. And I'd be leery of that anyway. I don't want everybody to, to like me. And then turn around and stab me in my back. Now, I ain't going to say everybody would do that. But I'm just saying, you got to be careful of your surroundings. And you got to know and discern. That's what you got to have. Discernment. Good from evil. Instead, he asked them why they came after him like a criminal. Jesus was arrested and taken away. The next process. Jesus experienced a number of trials. A number of trials occurred during the night and the early morning. Jesus appeared before the high priest, the Sanhedrin 
Pontius Pilate, Herod, and then he was sent back to Pilate. Although Pilate admitted that he found Jesus innocent, he still presented him to the crowd to suggest how Jesus should be punished. The crowd said to crucify him. That's what they kept yelling out. Crucify him. Pilate gave in to the crowd and ordered Jesus to be crucified. Do you not know that some people can commit a sin and then they can turn around and judge you and then they want you crucified? But I'm so glad (laughs) that they are not God. They'll have you in the jail, in hell, and everywhere else. The next process, Jesus died by crucifixion. The New Testament reports that the soldiers beat Jesus before leading him away to be crucified. The accusation against him would have been written out and tied around his neck while he was carrying his cross to the place of crucifixion. This would let everyone know the crime for which he was being executed. The accusation, (laughs) I'm sure that, you know, a whole lot of people that you know or maybe yourself has been accused of something sometime or another. I know I have been before and I didn't do it. But there's a lot of people in prison that got accused and they didn't do it. They spent a lot of their lifetime in prison and in jail and were falsely accused. But you know what? Satan is the accusing of the, bre- of the brethren. That's what I do know because the Bible surely tells us that. But the accusation was then being nailed above the cross. Jesus' crime was published in three languages. It read, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. According to the New Testament, Jesus was on the cross for about six hours. When the soldiers came to break his legs to hasten his death, they found that he had already died. They thought that they was going to dismember our Lord and Savior. But I guarantee you that didn't happen because God wasn't going to let it get that far. No, no. He knew that he was going to raise him up from the dead, but he was going to be a whole person. The next process, Jesus was buried. Jesus was taken down from the cross. He was anointed with spices and then buried in the tomb of a rich man. This ended the earthly life of Jesus. I said earthly. From a human perspective, it looked like everything was over. You know, a lot of times we got to look beyond the natural. However, the New Testament records the good news that this was not the end. It was just the beginning. See, God knows your ending from your beginning. You might have gone through a whole lot of trials and tribulations and tests and You might be uh, sitting around wondering how you're going to make it. You know, we're in a pandemic. You know, you might be broke, busted, disgusted. You might be abused, misused. You know, your children might be wayward. Uh, They run away, you know, uh, giving you so much trouble. Your husband, your wife. Whatever your case may be. But I want you to know that God is on the throne. And he knows what you stand in need of. He knows the very thing that you are facing and battling. 
that bad report you got from the doctor. You know, um, your job ran out. Well, you had to go and work from home. And maybe things got kind of uncomfortable for you. You know, your pet died. You know, all these things are, are grievous. But I want you to know that we're living in a time of sorrow. This is the last days, which is perilous times, times of sorrow. But we got God that's sitting high on the throne. And he's looking down. And he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And how we guarantee that? He is looking at our best interest with his heart is because we trust him. And because the Bible is a sure prophecy and tells us so. So just trust and believe in. My conclusion is found in Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing that he which have begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, until Christ comes back to crack that sky, he is always going to be there to help us get through whatever stands in our way, whether it's the adversary, the devil, (laughs) or whether it's a stumbling block or whatever it is. Whatever demonic force is standing against us, whatever opposition, God is going to cause us to triumph. So we got to believe that today. We got to believe that. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you got on this podcast and you started hearing and you thought you'd hear it all the way out. Well, don't cut it off yet. Because Romans 10 and 9 is an awesome verse. 10, 9, and 10. You know, the sinner's prayer. Yes, we all are sinners, saved by grace. You see, we were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. But if you repeat after me, you should be well on your way to salvation. Chapter 10 of Romans in verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Repeat after me. Father, I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you. But I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I want to confess today that I'm a sinner and I want to repent to you right now. And God, I want to thank you for saving me, a wretch undone. And I know, God, that the angels are rejoicing for this soul right here that has confessed, that has made this confession unto salvation. They have repented unto you and they've been asking for forgiveness. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you believed it in your heart, you should just find you a local church, establish a relationship with Jesus Christ, and become a disciple 
so that you can have a prosperous life in Christ. God bless you.